The government office that had applied for his assistance had arranged Peter Williams' apartment. Consequently, he had no real choice in the matter. Overpriced, recently renovated, oddly, it had no oven. It did have a gas-burning stove, a small modern refrigerator, and other niceties including his favorite, an espresso machine. The inside was white, not off-white, but a blinding white. White curtains, white linens, white walls, and even white countertops and a table. Should he fully open the curtains, Peter felt he would be sick with the light. The only non-white was the honey-mapled wood floors that appeared at the corners between the white rugs and the white walls. Today he had planned to have the morning free to lie about, eat a small breakfast, and return to sleep for an hour. Nobody disturbed him. No one came up the hall breaking his peace. Yet the noises from outside his windows, the speeding car engines, the mopeds that strained with two riders, the tires of heavy vehicles across the cobblestones, kept him from a full rest. Worse, on this morning, the heat rose early. Kiev had a lovely climate. At night it generally cooled to an enjoyable 17 Celsius. However, at 8.30 a.m. it was already a foreboding 28. Summers were supposed to be pleasant, but the current heat upsurge promised no relief. Peter changed his plans to leave the apartment before the increasing temperatures pushed his limits. A refreshing cool bath, there was no shower, and a decision to wear sandals and shorts would ease his discomfort. The parks around Taras Shevchenko University were close enough. With its large trees, a wonderful foresight by the city planners, he could read the rare American newspaper he had found at the Bessarabian market, and perhaps a nap at leisure. He bought a bottle of water from a nearby Gorky espresso bar and worked his way through the park to a spot where a few also had settled. It was early, and above his head in the green canopy of hemlocks and beeches, birds flittered, eager for their own society, but too excited to venture down. The temperature rapidly rose, inverse to the water disappearing from Peter's bottle. Others filled the park. A tourist bus parked near St. Vladimir's Cathedral across the road, even though a wedding was about to take place. By late morning, the shops with shade reached capacity as they sold cool drinks under their canvas awnings. Lines started to form at street vendors' kiosks. Young mothers chatted with their children in the cool park shade as grandmothers spoke with intensity to their adult daughters. Young men brought out bottles of wine and soda for a before-noon drink. Lovers walked and played in each other's arms as if life to them was beautiful. Peter fell asleep in the hail of audible noise. He dreamed of people, real and remembered, and some created out of his subconscious. A girl's face, a former male student, a friend, and so on. People spoke to him in native English. He missed its familiarity. The rhythm was different than that of Ukrainian and Russian, even when friends here spoke English to him. Dr. Williams, a hazy voice addressed him in his dream. Dr. Williams, it repeated. His head hurt from the wooden bench that had pressed a nerve. He drifted upward out of his miasma of a dream and realized at some point he had fallen fast asleep on the hard seat. Again, the voice repeated his name. Go, go away, he thought, but then he recognized the voice of Liliana. Oh, hello, Pravit, Peter answered, slightly embarrassed from his slumber, trying to recall the correct greeting. 
I didn't mean to disturb you, she said, but since I saw you here, I thought I would tell you that the meeting we scheduled has been changed. Peter woke fully and took down the new information. His head still throbbed. Liliana explained she was attempting a few errands at the National University before the heat grew unbearable. Then she mentioned in passing that one task was to return to Peter's building and water the plant. She laughed, slightly embarrassed at the thought. I'm headed that way, Peter said, jumping on the idea. An inaccurate truth, for until then a trip to his office had not been part of his morning plan. Besides, the park is filling with noise, he commented. Peter's face was flushed from his momentary discomfiture, triggered by the sudden waking. His decision was spontaneous, but it seemed right. He picked up his empty bottle and paced alongside Liliana, who admired the park, the mothers, the babies, and young people. Outside the park, the sun-heated lanes of stone and concrete, sweltering paths, and steamy streets slowed their pace. However, Liliana took the direct route, which led by St. Andrew's Church to Peter's office. An awkward silence escorted the two. Peter wanted to talk to someone, but Liliana did not seem interested. In fact, she seemed upset or disturbed, as if there had been a lover's tiff, but as far as Peter knew, she had no lover. "'Have you any lessons in Ukrainian that I could review for you?' Liliana broke her self-imposed unsociability. "'No, but let me make some copies of what I'm doing. I can make them when we get to my office, as my study book is there.' Halfway to Peter's office, the pair paced synchronized. Walking's therapeutic effect gave them movement without conscious effort, an autonomous wheel to enable their brains to operate unfastened from their bodies. Their legs moved mindlessly, leaving their intellect free to ruminate on matters. Their feet detached from their will and their minds wandered far as their conversation grew fanciful. Peter's presence was a catalyst that improved Liliana's mood. Indeed, she burst into a chatty, airy conversation about that morning. She ventured into stories from her life and studies. Liliana was a part-time student in economics. She had traveled to the UK, to Spain, and Norway once as part of a student program in Ukraine. She was nearing the end of her studies, but some professors were too demanding or rigid in her final examinations. Thus, they required her to retake those that she had failed. She had argued with her mother this morning about her controlling ways. The argument came about when Liliana rehashed attending a graduate program in Lviv, six or so hours train ride west. I would live with a friend. Each of us would pay half the cost as far as we discussed, Liliana concluded. The argument had flared, her mother's temper burst, and Liliana shot off for work. What made matters worse, the argument made her miss the bus, requiring her to borrow her mother's car again. Sweating from the exertion, still heated from the morning's conflict, Liliana tried to cool her temper by expressing her angst. She's my mother, but she does not act like we did when I was younger. Mothers have kinder voices to their young children, but she is a cross voice at present. Like acid, Peter understood. Yes, it hurts. Her voice was quieter. He, oh, sorry, she does not let me say my mind, as if I have to become her. Peter nodded his head. I want to not be her, but I want to honor her for things that she has done for me. Doesn't she understand something as simple as that? Peter did not have to answer. Her steam vented, Liliana asked in her strong Slavic accent, How is the heat in your building? 
Grammatically fine, but the sentence's phrase was misplaced. Peter hesitated and then figured out she meant how hot was it. Peter smiled and answered, I haven't been today, but so far it is rather unbearable, even in the center stairwell. Eliana kept walking as her thoughts turned to the plant. Peter's comment made her worry. I'm sure the plant has water, Peter added as a kind guess on his part. It made her smile to think he was trying to read her mind. Her smile emphasized her lips, swollen and blushing from the heat. Peter noticed how pleasing they were. You don't mind, do you? she asked as if she needed Peter's permission. Indeed, she felt juvenile for her odd question, but she could not think of any other reply. Peter pleasantly grinned back. For such offbeat comments, though, her economics professor had laughed at her. She hated such treatment, mostly by ego-happy males. Yet Peter's voice lacked derision or sour tone. His friendliness made her relax more. I think I will come to give it a drink until this heat is finished, Lilian explained. Yet she had already committed to such undertaking. Good idea, he replied. It is rather hot in the building, and I've not seen any staff attend the plant. In fact, I don't think it even belongs to the building. It rather it might be someone's personal plant, perhaps forgotten. Peter concocted a false tension to secure Liliana's fresh allegiance to the potted occupant. Perhaps if Liliana saw herself as the object's savior, he could see her on her visits, a thought which had not occurred to him until then. Yet for Liliana it did not matter to whom the plant belonged. It needed watering. It needed her watering. They reached Peter's building and escaped inside to the coolness of the central hall. The pair stopped by his office where Peter copied the lesson while Liliana filled an empty marmalade jar full of water. Before Peter had finished, Liliana was up the stairs. He had to hurry to catch up with her. Halfway up, it occurred to him that he was running, taking two steps at a time. Had she already captivated him? Or was it that he simply missed conversing with others? Nonetheless, an invisible force boosted his steps up the marble stairs toward the plant and the girl. In the warmer air, perspiration sprinkled his shirt. By the time he reached the ledge, Liliana had emptied the container, but stayed to look at the darkened dirt. Here you are, Peter excused his speed up the stairs and handed her the photocopies. This chapter is the difficult part of the lesson, he spoke, but Liliana began. It's too lovely to be inside. This floor has no one in it, and there's no office here. Such a waste. However, she was speaking to the plant, not to Peter. Reaching out, her fingers picked a dying leaf from the passive recipient of her attention. Once more, she carefully touched the soil with her long fingers. Peter noticed her nails had no polish. Her movements were motherly, refined. Envy flashed throughout Peter's core. As a token gesture, he held out his hand for her to give him the jar. Without looking, Liliana placed it in his hands. Her attention never left the mute flower. The thought of a coffee or something cool crossed Peter's mind. But again, as before, Liliana spoke of urgent duties, thanked him for nothing, really, and promised to look at the lesson to assist him later. She was gone, as Peter this time did not follow her out. Instead, he returned to his stifling office and buried his mind in reports on water quality from the Dnieper River near the town of Kozin, south of Kiev. 
As she rejoined her daily errands, Liliana returned to the street as people passed and faded in and out of the cool shadows of the street markets. Within a minute, she chastised herself for running out so quickly. She could have avoided her rush and allowed Peter to walk out with her, as he had previously done. She could have been kinder, more personable. She had enjoyed their stress-free conversation once it started. She could have talked more about the lesson. She could have smiled to see his own smile lovely and warm return. Her list grew. Her moment of pleasure could have been more. Yet it was not Peter. It was her. Her own discomfort with her own insecurity. Someone had shown her interest, demonstrated kindness, and she had fled. For the rest of the day she was burdened by a mood of frustration and feelings of having ruined something. She could not name these moods, though. She went home at the end of the day, closed the door of her bedroom, and slept until late evening, when hunger again drove her out.